right, good morning, Grace. As you say, we are continuing our journey through 1 Peter. 1 Peter, Peter's words to the Gentile believers there in Asia Minor, which we would say it's modern Turkey, uh, and they're living for Christ, their new faith, and then living under a difficult world, persecution. Nero is emperor about this time. Uh, about 64 AD is when Peter penned this letter for those believers to encourage them. So it's a couple years, and Peter will lose his life for his faith. And so this is that time, that season, and he's wanting to encourage them on how to live in faith in Christ Jesus in a hostile and difficult world. And um, I have this book. Got it a few years ago. It was on sale, so you can see the color. The Ultimate Survival Manual. And I'm like, oh, I am totally in. This is going to be good. It's got a lot of color and photos. Great for me. Um, I looked at the bookmark. That, I hadn't picked it up in a while. I'm about that far in. So I got a lot left. Uh, but it's everything. So it's like how to ride in a sandstorm, how to uh, survive an avalanche, uh, how to avoid a bear attack how to stay away from scorpions, how to start a fire from scratch, how to build a garden. So it's things that, and I'm like, whoa, and then how to defend yourself in a dark alley. And I'm like, a lot of these, I'm like, stay out of the water, you'll avoid sharks, stay out of a dark alley, you know. So but anyway, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting what to do when your plane's going down. It's got everything in here, how to grow a garden, how to take gas out of a car. Um, so anyway, some of you are like, can I look at that after, after the service? Uh, Anyway, so they, they would say, this is the handbook for survival. Now, some of these, I was like, okay, I'm in the garden. I, I started thinking about who do I know that actually can do that? And start going, okay, I got I to gotta get to know them a little better so they can help me with this. But they'd say, that's kind of the survival handbook. We would say, certainly, this is the survival handbook of life, God's Word. And if, if you and I, probably for most of us, if we said we had to go somewhere and we could only take one book, this would be it. We wouldn't hesitate. We would say this is it. Now, some would say 1 Peter. <clears throat> First Peter is the handbook for how to live as Christ's ambassadors in a dark world. First Peter, how to live as Christ's ambassadors in a dark world. And so we're uh, kind of going to unpack these verses. I appreciate Mark reading those. So let's pray and we'll dive in. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, your faithfulness. And Lord, seeing us and knowing that we would choose to rebel, that we would choose sin, Lord, that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we have hope, we have peace, we have joy because of Christ. And so help us as we see how uh, Peter instructs them to live, how, how they were to live in that uh, oppress, oppression of the Roman Empire, and Lord, how we can live as, as believers in our world today. And so, Father, we just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we can look three, kind of three perspectives as we look at these verses uh, of our obligations. So number one, foreigners, and we'll see that in verses 11 and 12 as foreigners living out our obligations, to living out our obligations as citizens, and we see that in verses 12 through 17, and then uh, as servants, and that's verse 18 and on, and, and uh, they'll pick that up next week. We're going to look at uh, 11, 11 through 17 today, so those perspectives of being foreigners and citizens. 
So these first two verses, I want to read these two together because some would say this is the entrance into the remainder of 1 Peter. So it's almost like this is kind of a good point, boom, and then the thrust of the rest of the letter. So these two verses. So dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. So there's your step into the rest of 1 Peter. So Peter, as he says here, he says, friends or dear friends, uh, and of translations, NIV and CSB would say friends or dear friends. Other translations, ESV, NASV, New King James would say beloved and when, when I was looking at that, I really liked the beloved. You know, that it kind of harkens us back to Isaac being the beloved son of Abraham or Jesus being the beloved son of God. Um, but either way, beloved or dear friends, he's wanting to convey, you are precious to me. And I treasure you. And I'm pinning these words for you. So he said, I urge you as strangers and exiles. And you'd think, these people live there. And they live in Asia Minor. Now, they're right. They're Gentiles predominantly, and they have received Christ. And so when he's, as he says this, he's reminding them, this is not your home. You are now children of the king. Your home is beyond. It's heaven. It's eternity. This is just that stepping through until you get to that. Um, David Helm said, we are... In Christ, we are tethered to heaven, but we're wanderers on earth. Tethered to heaven and mere wanderers on earth. And I think we, we can certainly see that for them. We can see it for us. So what is required of us as God's people? And how do we live in this world but know that we're inheriting what's next? And he would say, and he's saying this to these Asia Minor believers, abstain, okay, abstain and keep. And we'll see that in verses 11 and 12. So abstain from sinful desires. And that to abstain literally means to hold yourself away and hold yourself away from sinful desires. Some translations say fleshly desires, uh, but hold yourself away. So if you want to read a great biography, Diedrich Bonhoeffer is a great one because he was a pastor and a believer in Germany in the 1920s and 30s, and he was living under the authority of Nazi Germany. And it's a great story to see how he lived out his faith uh, in that world and in a, in a, under an authority that was opposed to God. So a great, a great lesson if you, ever, if, you're like, if you like reading biographies. So abstain. How can we abstain when we think about how can we hold ourselves away? So quick, three things. I think we live with a renewed mind. Okay, we live with a renewed mind. So pray and in the word daily. And that's kind of when we wake up and we start our new day, that's our chant. Renew our mind. Let's fill it with the things of God every day. Um, second, have a disciplined tongue. So be quick to hear, slow to speak. And again, these are daily things because it's a daily battle, right? Number three, have a controlled body. So what we do is we want to seek this please the flesh. We want to please God. That want to be our, our top priority, please God. We want to love and serve him. 
We want to love and serve others. So those are quick things we can kind of do to, as we hold ourselves um, accountable to follow God and hold each other and encourage each other. So we want to be disciplined. Um, and that's the, the blessing that we can do that and encourage one another. So if you have that person that is that the one that can hold you accountable, that can call you out, then continue to encourage them to do that. And hopefully they're encouraging you as well. All right. It says these, these fleshly lusts, these, these sinful desires, it says it wages war against the soul. Peter's telling them they're new into faith, and he's writing these words, but it, this is heavy battle, heavy battle stuff. And when we picture wage war against the soul, when we think of that at a military, it's, it's annihilation, it's extermination, it's hostility, it's just anger, it's destruction. That's what we kind of picture, and that's what this, the sin is. It's desire is to annihilate and eliminate us. And so it, it's not just waging war against the body. Peter's just going further. It's wages war against your soul. And so that really reminds us of that connect between the body and the mind, the body and the soul. Um, another David Helm, he said, Don't succumb to the contemporary idea that what you think with your mind and say with your mouth or do with your body can be thought or said or done without doing damage to your own soul. So th those things are so connected. And I think probably for a lot of us, when we came to faith in Jesus, suddenly life, you know, maybe in a way got harder because now we were filtering our thoughts and our actions and our words and everything now through a different lens, faith in Christ Jesus. And that's what these uh, believers there in, in Asia Minor were, is they were now thinking through, they had their before life, before Christ, and now they're new in Christ. And that, how does that look? How's that fleshed out? And it's the same for us as we live this life in light of eternity. Verse 12, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, again, Peter speaking, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Uh, conduct yourselves honorably, honorably, honorable. To, when we see that and we think of the Greek term, it's purest, it's noblest, it's, it's the utmost of kindness, winsome, lovely, noble, excellent. So these are scriptures. So he's saying live honorably in front of the Gentiles. So he's live honor, honorably among those that you're doing life with. And some they're going to be in the faith, some they're not. But Peter's challenging them to do that, to live honorably. Um, I heard uh, last week Darren made a comment, Pastor Darren, who's on vacation today, so I, I'm praying that they're having a good uh, day. Um, I, he shared with you all that I was in a tournament for old men. Um, so all of us 50-year-old men are trying to play ultimate and run around for an hour and a half per game, and we had six games. Uh, it was interesting. At the end of the sixth game, we played three on one day, three on the next. And I thought, okay, game's over, and tournament's over. And so I'm already starting to think about the journey home because it's eight hours back to get back to Somerville. And the guy said, all right, you got 15 minutes, and then we're going to have a debrief under this tent here on the field. And we're like, okay. And I asked one of the guys, I said, what's he talking about? And he said, well, we do this after every tournament where we'll, we'll circle up, and then we're going to take a moment and call somebody out on something we saw or observed in them. And it's generally good, sometimes a little heckling. Um, so our team was three different teams and a few pickup players. So 
two days before we, you know, hardly knew each other. And now after six games, an hour and a half each, plus uh, time in between, we'd gotten to know each other and watch each other and kind of see how each other played and see out personalities and does somebody have a hot temper and, and all these things. But it was interesting when we came back together and, and someone might be online because they found out I was a pastor and their jaws dropped. And uh, so I told them, I said, you can watch online. So I, I said, well, I'm going to try to get an illustration out of today. And they said, are you going to filter that, you know? Uh, but anyway, if they're online, enjoy playing with you. Uh, but the, this was so cool because we circled up, and then they began to go, okay, and they call out a guy, and he'd say, and compliment him. And, and they called it pile on. So if somebody else wanted to say, hey, I want to add to it, and then da-da-da-da. And, and, and went around until every person on, in that circle of basically three teams and some pickup players had been encouraged or complimented either in character or in style of play or in spirit of the game and just always positive. But it went around, and that turned into like 35, 40 minutes. We did that. But I just thought, what did it, what it just a kind of an example. And the same thing, we of the faith, how much more we should be encouraging one another. And I'm telling you, there are a handful of people in here, and there are a lot of you that encourage, there are a handful of people in here who just ooze it. I mean, you are such an encouragement. I see you do it with others. I see you bless my heart when you encourage me. And so uh, just a a blessing uh, to see that happening. And and the thing is, people are watching us. And so how we live, how we live honorably and and before others is a witness for Christ, especially when they find out you're a believer. They're watching. So let's encourage one another. Um, To the... Five years ago, we were in Curacao and had the blessing to do uh, a ministry with kids and teenagers. And so one evening, we said, hey, let's throw an impromptu tournament of soccer. I'd never played soccer, uh, organized. And this was sort of organized. We were playing on asphalt. And we, so we formed, there's three grace people from our church on a team with one more. And then we were playing uh, several other teams. And there was four, and you were playing on asphalt. I never played soccer. So it was just me running around chasing the ball. Uh, but it was a blast, and then it came back, and it turned out there was an adult team in, in that summer that had an injury, and so somebody at Grace, Joe, I don't think Joe's here today, he called and said, hey, you want to play soccer? I went, okay, you know I don't play, but I'll, I'll come out there, and same thing, just running around. Uh, this past summer, a couple weeks ago, got to play soccer, and it was actually, we were playing a club team, and I got to play, and it was so much fun, full-size field, a lot of hills, um, Cows were out there, so you know what else is out there. You had to run around and watch. But we played, and it, there was just joy in it, but it was an opportunity, again, to connect with those people. So when I got back, I was showing pictures, and a guy on my team here in, in Somerville, not Joe, another guy, he goes, hey, Ken, you know I'm not a religious man. But he said, but I think based on what you know about soccer now and what you knew then, it's become a tool in your ministry. And, and I thought, with one, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, and two, I'm, I'm praying for him. Uh, but he observed that. And so it's a reminder for you and me when we live for Christ, people are watching. And so don't be discouraged even when life's tough. And these folks that Peter was writing to, life could be very difficult at times. Uh, but let's continue to, to encourage people are watching. It says they will observe your good works. And that observe is see, or the Greek word is defined, careful watching. So it's not a snap, judge book by the cover and they got you. These people are watching 
They're watching those believers, and Peter's saying, live honorably. People are watching you and me, so let's live honorably, and let's, let's know that uh, as we live, people are drawn to Savior. Now, some maybe will ridicule, but some are going to be drawn because they see the difference. They're doing careful watching. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. Titus 2.7, In everything, make yourselves an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Titus 2.14, He gave himself for us to, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us, cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Titus 3.8, this is... This, is, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to do good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. So when these people see this, it says they will glorify God on the day he visits. On the day he visits. Now, Jesus said this real quick, uh, Matthew 5, 16, you remember, uh, he said, in this way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. So on the day he visits, in the Old Testament, that was a kind of a, a signal or a warning of, of God's visitation. And, and it would, uh, sometimes it would bring judgment, sometimes it would bring blessing. Uh, but that visit. Now, a New Testament visit, uh, Peter in the New Testament would see that as visitation, it would, and, and a lot of times that visitation or visit would be with redemption in mind. Um, I know er, right after graduation from college, and I got my first job, J.C. Penney, and I was a manager trainee, and our store manager, it was like he, he could be all over the place at once. It was, he, was, he had an amazing ability to do that. Giant store, two stories, Atlanta, Georgia, and Maybe you're like this too. When, when you're working hard and you get caught working hard, it's awesome, right? Your, your boss sees you and you are just going at it. So one, it's good. Just work hard all the time because you never know when that visit's going to come. Um, but the Lord was going to visit and, and he was saying that there's going to be glory given to God when he comes. Uh, when the grace of God hits an unbeliever and that unbeliever repents and puts saving faith in Jesus, then they give glory to God. And I believe also they begin to reflect and think about those they've seen when they're witness, their testimony, those that they saw model this, this following Jesus before they even became Jesus. Another a biography you've already is Chuck Colson. He was President Nixon's hatchet man in the Watergate scandal. Uh, ended up going to prison for it, but before he went to prison, and it was a rough time for him in a dark place, and there were people God was putting around him that were followers of Jesus, and it came to a point where Chuck Colson repented and surrendered and trusted Christ, and even when the authority said, you're guilty, you're going to prison, he went and thought, I mean, he didn't want to go, but he thought, I'm going, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to serve God while I'm there, so his is a great story, too. Verse 13, submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor or to the supreme authority. So when we think submit, 
or it says to put oneself under or to put oneself in an attitude of submission or to live according to governmental order. So to submit, okay, to put oneself in an attitude of submission. And so when we see that, we do that, we're also, we're showing some respect for the authority and, and we are wanting to live for the Lord. Um, Jesus said in Matthew twenty two twenty one. remember the story they were trying to trap him and he said, well, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. I think it'd be probably a reminder for us, you know, to give to Uncle Sam the things that are Uncle Sam's and to God the things that are God's. Romans 13.1 says, Let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. Now, those are fallen. So we, we've certainly seen examples of those in authority or governments in authority where they were not of God. They were, they were rebelling. Obviously, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Nazi Germany is an example of that. Um, and so even in, even in his ministry... He, he respect the authority, but the things that were wrong, he was not going to compromise, and he was, and he was going to oppose that things were wrong. So some would say, though, with this passage here in First Peter and Romans 13, 1 through 7, they would say, well, that really, no, blind allegiance. We've we got to follow, and we can't be questioning. Um, so some who would say that were missing Revelation 13, 18, where, where it points out that there were authorities and governments that were opposed to God. Then you have the flip side where some would say, well, then we don't need any government at all because it's evil, and it's not that either. So th- there's that, just that balance of how are we living in a hostile world where we respect authority, but we're also going to be uh, holding fast to the things of God. And so Peter's trying to encourage these believers there in Asia Minor. And uh, Acts 17, the apostles, remember they were, it says they were turning the world upside down. And then, of course, when we look at Jesus, he respected authority of the position, but he called them out when they were wrong, right? Uh, he was tough on those religious leaders. And when he went through in his public ministry, some would say he, w- he, he was turning things upside down himself. But I think Jesus had a perfect example for us. And so we should, we should seek to follow him. And, of course, Peter is encouraging these new believers in the faith, there in, in what we now know as Turkey, follow the Lord. You, we have an authority, Nero. We're living under his authority, but here, live boldly, live honorably before the Gentiles. Your, your witness will show them who Jesus is, and the same for us today. So how, how does that balance? Here's another example in, in the Old Testament. Daniel and his three friends, they, here is the dietary. This is what they're supposed to eat, and they... They, they weren't going to do that. But you see, they, they did it honorably. They still honored the king. They, they didn't want to uh, create rebellion. They didn't want to embarrass the official, but they were, st- were standing firm, and God rewarded it. Um, Peter and the apostles in Acts uh, uh, 4 and 5, you know, the Jewish council said, stop preaching, um, and they refused. They said, we can't. Now, they didn't cause rebellion, um, they didn't question the authority of the council, but they said, we can't do that. So they were showing respect to the leaders, but they were uh, not compromising on God's mission, God's divine mandate for them. So we think, like in our world, if we didn't have government, it would be chaotic. We can kind of see that when things break down, after, say, after a disaster, and 
power goes down and, you know, after a hurricane or whatever, and it's not quick, it's, it's, it goes pretty quick, and then there's looting and craziness going on, and we need to restore order. That's part of God's plan for having authority and position so that we don't uh, have chaos. Um, and certainly the idea would be that they would uh, punish those that do wrong and, and praise those that do right. It says, for the Lord's sake or because of the Lord. And so that's for us to, to live for him and to honor him. And then it, uh, it talks about the emperor, honor the emperor. That, that's the, kind of the, the authority, the lead. And it, we can even see as we read Peter's words, he's not saying overthrow the government, but he, he's saying to live under it and to, and to live for God. And it's interesting when Peter's saying that and we were reminded, you know, he was under Nero who was going to be in charge when Peter lost his life for faith. Um, in, in Peter's lifetime, Pilate was in authority and he turned Jesus over uh, while Peter was watching. And then Felix was using his power and playing with it with Paul. So th there are examples of those who were in authority that they had to live under and yet Peter's saying submit. And... Respect the position. Another example, I've, uh, when I was reading about Desmond Dawes, who in World War II, uh, he just had a conviction, I can't go take a life, but I want to serve. And he ended up even, and he respected their, the authority, and he went through all the, the, the things, he even had some really difficult time because of his conviction. But in the end, they allowed him to go in to be a medic and to serve in that way. So he, there was a respect for the authority, but he had a conviction. And I think that's what Peter was encouraging them to do, and I think that's what is a good lesson for you and me. Verse 14, Or as the governors, as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is right. And that's that reminder, a, 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 a authority or a government that is doing the right things the way God would have is that they would punish what's wrong and what's evil and what's unlawful, and they would praise those that are doing right. Unfortunately, many times, we're, that's not quite how the authority is working. Um, but we're still challenged to, li to live under that. Verse 15, For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Now, remember, that's that, that, that mindset. They're careful watching. And, and so when the opportunity comes, some of them are going to think twice before they criticize because they've seen the life. They've seen the good works. They've seen the fruit. And certainly when, when those who are public about their faith do something really bad and it gets spreads and then people go, oh, that's how they all are. But if you and I are living with the people that we're doing life with, they're going to they're gonna know, I can't say that. Maybe that guy was wrong in the big public setting, but the people I know that are, that are Christians... I can't say that about them. So that's, that's really important how you and I are living. But the foolish are going to criticize believers. Um, one, a Roman historian wrote back then, he said, Christians were loathed because of their abominations. And another one said, a class of people animated by a novel and a mischievous superstition. So they're saying things uh, in that day and time of those believers, and yet Peter still says, let's submit, let's live honorably. And as they do that, it will silence their ignorance 
of these foolish people. And these are people, you know, that you and I need to have the heart for that we want them to come to faith. Uh, when it says silence here, the, the word is, uh, the description is muzzle. So it's like quiet, and they have to be quiet. Uh, they're sobered by what they're seeing in believers. So verse 16, submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. So submit as free people. So you and I in Christ, these believers there that Peter's writing to, were free to live and submit to love God's people, love others, serve others, and respect the governing authorities. We're free to do that. And as we're doing that, uh, it says, don't use your freedom to cover up evil. And so that's that reminder for us, even though we're free, it's not free to self-indulge or take care of our flesh. It's not for that, but it's the other, to live free, to love and serve God, to love and serve others and respect authority. You know, an example, I, I was thinking when I was 15, got my restricted license so I could drive by myself in the daytime but I hadn't had the opportunity to do it yet. And I was wondering, when, when are mom and dad going to let me drive on my own? And then finally the moment arrived, I still remember very distinctly, when mom said, here's some money, go to the store and get bread. That's all she told me. She didn't tell me where to go. She didn't tell me to be safe, go to the speed limit. She just said, go. And, and she didn't give me a time limit. Now I know if I'd have stayed gone for six, seven hours, there'd have been a problem. But she didn't give me a time limit. So what did I do? In respect for the authority and the appreciation, I went to the closest place to home, got the bread, didn't shop anything else, and I got in the car and came straight back, speed limit the whole way, and came in and put the bread on the shelf and, or, and the counter, and she said, thank you, and that was it. But why did I do that? I did it because I respected their authority. And even though I had freedom, I, I, I stayed in the bounds, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for, for, that, for just... The, that small example, but it's like us today. We live, and we're not always in favor of everything we hear in our government, um, but we have to respect and respect the position and, and submit to the authority and, again, live our lives honorably. And we do it, and as here he says, God's slaves. Um, now, this isn't the slave we think in American slavery and the Bible certainly didn't approve of that at all, you know, that, that oppression of people for generation after generation and, and racially based. It wasn't that. Um, and matter of fact, 1 Timothy 1, verse 10, it's, it talks about slave traders and that they're unholy and ungodly. So it, it, there's no justification for the slavery that we had in our history. But it's uh, for this... Peter's address with slaves or servants. He is saying that in this, this status of life, you can, you can live this way and you can honor the Lord. Uh, so real quick, kind of three things. Roman citizens, you know, full rights, freedmen. Uh, they enjoyed a lot of privileges, but there were a few things. And then you had the servant class, and that's kind of where they would say Peter was kind of addressing when he was writing this, his servant class, these that were serving others, that they were managers or they were helpers in, on the land or in the home. Um, and he's saying work hard, honor. Um, and I saw this, it said two quick examples, maybe we could even think to kind of put it into day's tech. Somebody who had the military pay for college and now they got to do their time. So they're sort of servants of the military, or some who went to medical school and somebody, they took care of it, and now they're kind of obligated for a while, um, but still 
submit, serve, honor. So Paul himself was happy to call himself a slave. Followers of Christ, that's it. We get to submit, and within our freedom, we get to love God. We get to love others. We get to serve the world, honor the authority. Uh, verse 17, honor everyone, love brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. So you kind of see honor everyone, love the faith family, fear God, that reverent awe, holy reverence for God. And then he says, and honor the emperor, honor the, the authority. And we should do it daily. This kind of verse kind of has a, pre, a daily tense to it, a present tense to it. Um, Paul himself, he was willing to suffer. Um, and we see that in Acts 16 in Philippi. He was even flogged for it. Um, but he also said, I'm not going to slip out of town as a criminal either. I'll walk out of town. Um, we see that in Acts 16, 35 to 40. He, Paul was arrested on false charges, and he used his citizenship to protect himself. And he even insisted on a trial before Caesar. So, honor everyone, love brothers and sisters, love the faith family, fear God, honor the emperor, honor the authorities. And you know what? Holding the gospel doesn't make us rebels. It makes us humble and honorable citizens. So, same thing for us in America. If we're living humbly before others and respecting authority, that's a huge witness and a huge uh, contradiction to those who are saying slanderous things about the Christian faith. And so back to Jesus again. Render the things to Caesars, the things that are Caesars, and to God, the things that are God's. In Titus 3.2, it says, To slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. And so may we be a people like that. Um, Joanne Jones uh, was uh, in nursing school. It was her second year. And the professor gave a pop quiz. And so she's breezing through question after question and answer. And she's, she's like, going to ace this one. The last question said, what's the name of the lady that cleans our nursing building? And she went, okay, I've seen her. I don't know the name. So she just left it blank, turned in her quiz. And all the quizzes were in and, and, and a student raised her hand and said, is that last question going to actually count? And the professor said, absolutely. said, every person you come in contact with deserves your care and attention, even if it's just a, a, a smile and a hello. And so Joanne said she never forgot that. She also remembered or found out that lady's name was Dorothy. May we be a people that live honorably, before a world that needs to see the gospel in us and to see Jesus in us, and that we need to do it daily and ask us, and we're going to slip up at times, but that's where we have a, a, a Father that receives us, He receives our forgiveness, He restores our fellowship, and we get to go another day and rejoice in that. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we uh, reflect, Lord, we, we know we live in a world and we know that there are uh, those in authority, and in times, Lord, those that are in authority that are acting um, ungodly or acting corruptly, Lord, we pray that you'll help us discern on how to, how to respect and honor, but also to stand for you and for the things of you. Lord, we thank you for uh, the faithfulness of so many on those early days when Christianity was just beginning to spread and, and persecution was hard at that time. And yet, 
because of their faithfulness and, and because of the faithfulness of your spirit moving in the believers. 2,000 years later, Lord God, we are, we are still worshiping and celebrating and the news continues to spread. So Lord, help us to live as a people that are known as honorable, that we're a people that love you. We're people that love the faith family. We're people that love and serve others. And Lord, that we're a people that want to be good citizens in the countries that we're in. And so Lord, we thank you. Pray that you'll just encourage us to live boldly for you, even in a world that says it would be better to not. Lord, you are worthy of our, our lives, our actions, our words, our thoughts. And so help us each day to do these things, to stay away from evil desires and to stay close to you. Lord God, I thank you for each family in here. And as we get ready to, to sing it and to do the Lord's Supper, Lord, when we do this, we're remembering what Christ did and that that juice represents his blood that was spilled. The bread represents his body that was broken and given for us. Lord, he took the penalty of sin. He was hung on the cross. He died. And Lord, his, his body was buried, put in a tomb. And Lord, life came back. And three days later, gloriously resurrected and lives today. So Lord, we, we praise you. We know you're being patient because Jesus has not returned. So there are some, there are some people out there that are, are close. So Lord, help us uh, be a witness for you that they would receive Christ. And Lord, so Lord, as we close this time out, we... Uh, do the Lord's Supper to reflect, to remember, to give thanks to you for that incredible sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.